You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. Hey everyone, it's Candace and Cher with Processing Trauma Out Loud. Cher and I are back to do another episode on a new topic today, but it's kind of coming from a two-part series that we just did on why is it important to ask for help and why is it so hard to ask for help. And Cher, you mentioned a few times in these episodes, the words arousal structures. Okay, before anyone gets a little anxious, we want to just name right at the beginning that we know using the word, even using the word arousal comes with a lot of complexity in how we feel about it and what we think about it. So we want to just say arousal structure can involve sexuality, but it it doesn't always. And Cher's going to get more into what arousal structures are and why we feel this topic is important. So Cher, can you start us out today with just helping us understand what are arousal structures and how do how does that play in with the idea of being dysregulated? I'm curious about that. Yeah. And the first thing I want to say is like, we are not experts on this. Um, I think there's so much brain science that goes into this that I feel like I'm still very much a novice in this area of understanding. And yet the amount of understanding that I have, I feel has had a big impact in helping me really heal some things that I have done or that I have experienced as patterns in my life that now I feel like I'm really understanding and experiencing some freedom from. Yeah, and I I just want to say this. You have been able to gain an understanding and you're going to share something with this later that you shared with me that I I I was just almost couldn't say anything because it was such a clear picture. But not only have you had understanding of this the ways that you're showing up today are actually breaking generational cycles and patterns for your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids. And this is why we're talking about this. We want to heal and we want to leave our families a legacy of healing. Because our arousal structures impact everything we do in our lives and have a huge impact on how we show up relationally. And This is where I feel like it really matters. Like if we can identify how the things, how my harm, how the harm that I experienced in my life and my responses to that, when I can begin to recognize how that shows up in my relationships today, I feel a lot of motivation to want to figure that out and find healing so that I can have the kind of freedom that I want to have. And I think arousal structures is so important. And I don't think it's something that is talked about enough, or at least that I haven't heard it talked about a lot. And so I think what I want to start off with really is just kind of sharing this scenario that has been real for me. And I think that maybe we'll do this for maybe a couple of episodes. We'll share some of these scenarios because I think that this can, if we share the scenario first and then talk about the mechanics, it'll be easier to comprehend what we're really saying. But what I want to say about arousal is what we're talking about is energy in the body. And that when I encounter certain 
a certain, let's just say emotion, but it can be any stimuli. It can be through something that I see or something that I hear or something that I smell. That when I encounter that stimuli, my brain goes to its neural pathway that's already been preformed causing me to react and respond in certain ways. And, and, it's, and it shows up as energy, energy in my body. And does that energy cause me to go to hypo arousal? You know, where I'm very low, I lose my energy, I might feel sleepy, I, I, I shut down, I, 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 I distance myself from relationships, or does it cause me to go into hyper arousal where I might feel a lot of anxiety or strong, intense emotions. And so it, it can look it can look anywhere on the spectrum from hypo to hyper. But we're talking about how does energy in the body look? And then when I feel that energy in the body, and usually this is unconscious, I'm not even aware that I'm feeling it. But when I get aroused because of some stimuli, my body and my brain respond in certain ways. And the structures that have been formed in my life, probably from very, very early, will always play out. Kind of example that I shared with you this morning is, is just my awareness that I have felt deep loneliness through, through much of my life. I can remember even as a very young child, just feeling lonely and, and wanting connection. And, and, and then as I grew older, you know, I just always noticed that I would, that I felt lonely a lot. And I think I had this awareness that I felt lonely, though I wasn't analyzing what that felt like in my body or anything. But I would find myself that looking for attachment, looking for connection. And I, I wrote this out, so I'm going to refer to my notes a little bit because I, I feel like there's a lot that I want to make sure that I say here. But that when my anxious feelings would arise and I felt like I, I, I'm lonely and I need connection, I would find myself and again, this is all subconscious. It was. Now it's conscious, but it was subconscious for most of my life. When I would feel that anxious energy in my body of needing attachment and feeling very lonely, and, and somehow for me, feeling lonely did not feel safe, and it put me into a, a sense of anxiety, I would move toward looking for connection. And that connection could look anything like calling a friend or asking somebody to get together for lunch or, you know, even writing a letter where I could express my my feelings and my emotions, you know, in, in a letter. And I began not too long ago, I began to realize that I was often reaching out to people who had a higher emotional intensity than I have, because I tend to have a pretty low emotional intensity. But the people that I would reach out to when particularly when I was feeling lonely, I wanted to connect with their emotional intensity to feel more alive because mm -hmm. I had slid down on, on, on the spectrum of the window of tolerance spectrum. I was down at a one or a two or three and I felt the need to be pulled up. And so I would reach out. But then when I would connect with people who have a higher emotional intensity than I have, then I think my arousal structure would kick in on that end of the spectrum and I would begin to feel afraid because high intensity, high emotional intensity people have often brought deep, significant harm in, into my life. And so as I would begin to connect with them, then I would begin to feel a lot of fear 
which would then cause me to become avoidant and just move away from them and then find myself back in this place of loneliness again. And mm -hmm. so it's like my my anxious need for attachment would draw me closer, but then often their emotional energy would produce fear and then cause me to become distant and and then become avoidant. I, I wanna I wanna just I want you to finish, but I, I wanna just pause for just a second and I wanna ask our listeners who might be able to relate to this. Because you're talking about a fearful avoidant arousal structure in your attachment. And and there are different ones, but you've you just described so clearly what an arousal structure that is activated from fearful avoidant attachment. Yeah, and played out. And this played out over and over and over throughout my life. Mostly subconsciously, like I said, I wasn't aware of it. I would find myself there and find me in and find myself in these repeated cycles of drawing close and then moving away, or drawing close and then moving away, and going through friendships because people can't couldn't tolerate that with me, which is so understandable. Like they couldn't understand. Like yesterday, you were you were you were drawing close and you wanted to get together and we had a great time. I thought, and then now today i can't find you you're you're not responding and so that was something that brought a lot of pain to me in my relationships through the years but i didn't understand it for so long i did not understand it and and now i feel like i do understand it and i understand that my arousal structure and my my the anxiety that i would feel when i felt lonely it demanded soothing, like I needed some kind of care in that moment. And so my need for soothing would lead me toward connecting with people that then would just cause me to become fearful and, and turn away. And, and I want to say, and as a little girl, you have stories that the person that you move towards, you paid a very high price to connect to. Of course, that is going to bring dysregulation and reveal your arousal structure of now as an adult, not trusting somebody that would move towards you. Right. Yeah. And and I will just name like when I did a little bit more research on arousal structures, like the thing in the situations where research has been done, they are talking to people who who really identify as having emotional or physical neglect mm -hmm. or emotional, physical or sexual abuse. We have a podcast called Processing Trauma Out Loud. So <laughs> we kind of make the assumption that our audience is primarily made up of people who recognize that they have trauma in, in their past and particularly in their in their childhood. That's what we talk a lot about here. And for me, yes, I, the, the person with high intensity in my world was my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I would move toward him for connection a lot. And I loved connecting with him. The best person in my world was also the worst person in my world. And so connection with him brought significant harm and hurt to my life through the kind of abuse that he inflicted that was so complex because it was hard and harsh and cruel and it was tender and gentle and made me feel loved. 
There's just tremendous complexity there for me. The way that my arousal structures had, have been developed and the ways that it has impacted my friendships and relationships through the years has just been huge. A couple things. Breathe. <laughs> I breathe. And I, and I see you right now in this place of the work that you have done to even be able to say this right now. And I am aware that there are people listening that, that may not understand everything that we're saying right now. And that's okay. We don't have clinical backgrounds. We're not neuroscientists. We are literally just two women doing the work. And I, I think I'm just aware of other people that have not been able to understand how they could be drawn to the person who abused them. Yeah. Because of that, there's so much shame wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. There's so much shame wrapped around it. I'll, I'm just going to speak to the listener. You feel like it is absolutely impossible. Like you feel like you could die if you let anybody know this. Mm. And I remember you feeling something similar. Yeah. Can I just ask you, what does it feel like now? What does it feel like now, Cher, to be able to name this publicly on a yeah. podcast? Yeah, I know. I I didn't uh, plan to, to say that, actually, but it feels honoring to my story to be able to say it out loud. And to be able to recognize that the work that I have done has enabled me to grow in understanding my story, my harm, my arousal structures, and the ways that that has played out in my life. One of the things I've struggled with a lot in my life is just feeling significantly detached from my body. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing that I've been working on recently is becoming aware of the sensations in my body. Like, like what does loneliness feel like in my body? What does anger feel like in my body? What does sadness feel like in my body? And then when those sensations arise, being able to become aware of what then am I drawn toward doing as a response? Because this is my neural pathway is is going to dictate when I feel sad, I will be drawn toward movement in a particular direction. And so becoming aware of the sensations in my body and then recognizing how I respond to that, this is all tied to me becoming much more aware of my story, of the harm that I did experience and the, the complexity that, that was there that, that just made understanding myself and right. my my decisions and my choices and the way that I have lived my life that has just made that difficult. And so, yeah, being able to say it out loud feels like it's honoring the, 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 the hard work that I have put in to really get to know my story and understand myself even more. When we get dysregulated and we go into our arousal structures patterns, what begins to disrupt that and bring awareness to it is love. Mm. 
is love. Mm -hmm. Is love for self, receiving love. We don't show up in that way because we turn against ourselves when we go into our patterns. But then when someone sees us up close in the cracks and crevices of our arousal structures and our patterns, and they bring love. Yeah. We we don't know what to do with it. What do you do with love in the places of your deepest shame? I could hardly look at it. When yeah. I saw your faces looking back at me in love when I was revealing my deepest shame, it was overwhelming. I literally had to put my hands over my eyes at times, mm -hmm. but I wanted yeah. more. Because there's, but there's this part of us that doesn't trust, like, is this yeah. really love and what is love and love? That's why I put my hands over my eyes. <laughs> love can, love has probably brought at least love that we perceived as love has brought a lot of pain to our lives. So yes, Candace, I said this to my coach this week. I said, your face of love that I saw when I brought my places and I exposed my deepest places of shame more transformationally powerful than anything else. Love is the beautiful power that we are all longing for and so desperate for, particularly when we have experienced childhood neglect or abuse it's the only thing that can break through and help us make and help us have the ability to bring understanding to where we have been and then be able to move forward in ways that bring change. Yeah. I used to think a lot about a verse that simply says, love never fails. Mm. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> love never fails? but I believe it now. Mm -hmm. I believe real love, tangible love, pure love, powerful love. It does not fail in impacting our hearts in ways that bring hope and healing. This is why we show up week after week. We've received it and we have some to give and we want to give it to our listeners. And I want to give it to you, my friend. <laughs> and I want yours. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know. And we have this, uh, we have this with each other. We have this with the pearls. We have this in, in growing in some of our relationships that, that, you know, we're experiencing good, pure love in ways that we just haven't known before. And it is one of life's best blessings. Well, we didn't know we were going to close out today's episode talking about love, but it feels really right to me, Cher. Yeah. Love is the only powerful enough force to disrupt structures, patterns. I hope this week stirs the curiosity and wonder of our listeners to come back and hear a little more of the mechanics next week. How does that sound to you? That sounds really good. I think I think it's important that we stay on this topic because it is hard. It's complex and we all need so desperately to understand how this is working out in our lives. Yeah. Well, thank you for kind of being the one to bring this up. When you first brought it up to me, we're just going to be real. I was like, are you serious? You want to do arousal structures? Yeah. <laughs> You just kind of steadily kept talking about it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. No, I'm so glad. And thanks for uh, partnering with me in it. Yeah. It's so good. My pleasure. Love you, friend. Love you too. 
Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing. If you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Auditory LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.